Welcome to the Apple for the Teacher podcast, the true crime podcast that features the good apples and the bad apples within the school system. My name is Anna Thomas, a teacher and your host. So join me as I present school stories that are tragic, shocking, unbelievable and outright bizarre. Welcome everyone. This is the Apple for the Teacher podcast. My name is Anna Thomas. And today I have a special episode for you. It's minisode number three. I have already released two other minisodes, so let me explain what they are. Minisodes are a departure from the usual bad apple, good apple format of the podcast. I have found so many stories which are suitable for the podcast. Some, however, are really not long enough for a regular episode, so I will put these types of stories together into a minisode. The minisodes will not replace a normal episode, but will be a bonus episode. There will be no set schedule. The minisodes will come out as soon as I have enough mini stories to create a minisode. You know, I continue to be amazed by the stories that I'm finding for this podcast. I had some doubts in the beginning about how long the podcast could go for and would there be enough stories to sustain it. I knew that I would sadly always have stories about school shootings to tell and also about teachers sexually abusing students, but I never imagined what I would find. And many of you have told me the same thing, that crime in schools at first seemed like a narrow niche, but it has been far from that. Most of the time I come across stories by accident. Sometimes I will think of a particular topic like school arson and see what I can find. Then other times I just come across stories by accident. For example, how could I have ever have thought about a story involving a schoolboy being murdered by fellow students and then buried in his own school grounds with the school trying to cover it up, which is episode 10 if you haven't listened to that one. Then there was the men who hijacked a school bus and buried the students alive in a truck underground, keeping them hostages, which was episode 16. And what about the primary school boy who murdered another primary school boy, beheaded him and left his head on his school gate? That's episode 18. These are just a few of the absolutely tragic true stories which seem too unreal to be true. What started as a hobby for me has become such a passion. I love bringing these people's stories to you and the wonderful feedback you are giving me means that you love hearing their stories too. So I'm not going anywhere. Let's start today by saying hello to some members in our Facebook group. Hello to Kiara Lissy, Julie Castle, Sally Ang and Kanika Sharma. And also, here's another very kind review. It says, Story time with a side of murder. I just recently started listening to this podcast, and all that I can say is that I love it. It is very different from any other of my true crime favorites, but that is what makes it so interesting. I can tell you are a teacher, and listening to it reminds me of being a student in class, having a teacher read me a story. Some podcasts are more of a conversation. This is more like story time for adults. And that is what really makes it stand out for me. I love your style and really appreciate all the work that goes into it. Looking forward to more episodes. 
and that was written by JNMGM. So thank you very much for your kind words. And I'd also like to share a voicemail with you. So take a listen. Hello, Anna. This is Opal. Um, I wanted to leave you a voice message just because I feel like not a lot of people have. And I wanted to try to get it going. Um, I really like your podcast. I really like the good Apple stories and the bad Apple stories. And your little quotes at the end always make me smile. Thank you for doing what you're doing. And I really appreciate the fact that you're still teaching and you're still doing everything to help everyone. You're really amazing. And you're a really amazing woman. And I really love this podcast. Thank you for, for keeping us sane during quarantine. And I hope you and your family are really safe. Um, I love you and I love your podcast and I'm so sorry. I hope that's not weird. Um, bye. Thank you so much, Opal. Your message made me laugh. You really made me sound like I was some sort of celebrity when it's just little old me. And in fact, I wouldn't even want to be a celebrity. They just can't do the normal things that we do, you know, just go to the grocery store. They've got minders for everything, managers, personal assistants, nannies, hair and wardrobe people. They have to disguise themselves when going out. And being rich and famous, they'd have to be weary of everyone they meet. So I have no desire to have my privacy and freedom taken away. So I'm happy being little old me just doing this podcast. But thank you so much, Opal. The fact that you're enjoying it, that really makes me happy. So thank you. And also, I'd like to say hello to anyone who might be listening from the country of Mauritius which will be our country of focus today. Mauritius is an island country in the Indian Ocean located off the eastern coast of Africa. I'm sure you're familiar with the saying, as dead as a dodo. But did you know that the now extinct dodo bird only lived in Mauritius? The dodo was a flightless bird and was last seen in the 1600s. It was flightless because it didn't have any predators and therefore was safe on the ground. Therefore, it lost its need and ability to fly. It is still considered the national bird of Mauritius and is found on the national coat of arms. The bird is believed to have evolved from pigeons. It is also believed that the demise of the bird was due to Dutch settlers who introduced ship rats and other animals which ate the dodo's eggs, which were easily accessible from ground nests. As Mauritius became a stopover for sailors and their ships on the spice trade route, the dodo provided fresh meat for the men on their layover. The bird became extinct within 100 years of human contact. It's also been said that the author of the story, Alice in Wonderland, Lewis Carroll, was inspired to write his tale based on a stuffed dodo he had seen at a natural history museum. The dodo was a character in the story. And finally, if you're getting married and thinking about a honeymoon destination, well, Mauritius is frequently voted the world's best honeymoon destination. Okay, let's get into the stories. Here is story number one. When you were at school, do you remember getting school certificates or awards? We have a school assembly every week and each teacher gives out student awards. At one particular school in the US, 
The school had a special end-of-year awards lunch at a local restaurant, with many students, parents and teachers in attendance. Just imagine you're a parent at that lunch. Students' names are being called for awards. Your child's name gets called for an award. Actually, it's more like a trophy, with the inscription that reads, Bailey Preparatory Academy Most Annoying Male. Well, this is what happened to one family. Can you imagine the shock when their 11-year-old son goes up to receive this trophy? What outraged me was that the boy was autistic and the trophy was given to him by his own special education teacher. There would have been many students, teachers and parents watching and this poor family had this happen. The boy's father said, we just weren't expecting it. As a principal or teacher, you should never let this happen to any student. The parents were so appalled that they left the trophy on the table when they left, but the teacher saw it there and reminded them not to forget it. The father spoke to the teacher concerned, and she was said to play it down as a joke. The father, rightly so, found this explanation insensitive to his son's special needs. He stated, We just don't want any other kids to go through this. Just because they have special needs doesn't mean they don't have feelings. The school responded by saying disciplinary action would be taken and made this statement. We acknowledge the potential impact that an experience like this could have on a child's mental well-being, self-esteem and overall level of comfortability in a learning environment going forward. You know, I found more stories like this. It's appalling that teachers conduct themselves this way and show such lack of judgment. Here are some more examples. It was the end of term at another US junior high school. One teacher gave these awards to her students. One award was for the most likely to become a terrorist and another for most likely to blend in with white people. And that's not all. There were more awards for most likely to cry and most likely to become homeless. This just, I, this just, I just don't get this. In another school, yearbooks were printed with a particular student who uses a wheelchair being referred to as most accident prone. Are you kidding? He had become partially paralyzed in a car accident. The student said he wished the school had chosen to highlight his accomplishments and not his disability. You know, sometimes people say things, um, it's meant to be a joke and in a joking way. And it seems like the teachers who gave out these awards probably meant it in that way, but really just really a lack of judgment on their behalf and really pretty appalling. Okay, let's go on to the second story. This next story happened in the US in 2018. A boy by the name of Caden Kopke was diagnosed with kidney disease at the age of two. When he was five years old, he received a kidney transplant with his own father being the donor. However, his body rejected the kidney and it had to be removed five days later. The family then created a Facebook page called Caden's kidney search. Caden required a kidney from a living donor. Caden said, I've had to be on dialysis for about 10 years now. 
and it'd be really awesome to live a normal life and not have to live hooked up to a machine. And when I looked at the Facebook page, there was a motto on the page which I just loved. It said, accept what is, let go of what was, and have faith in what could be. Here is what his parents wrote on the page. Hello, friends. We have created this page to help find a living kidney donor for our son, Caden. He was diagnosed with kidney disease when he turned two and started dialysis soon after. That was a dialysis treatment that he did at home every day for 10 hours while he slept. He is now 11 years old and is on hemodialysis three days a week. That means he misses school three days a week. Because of his particular situation, he is unable to get a kidney from a deceased donor, so he is in need of a living donor. Our family is pretty private when it comes to sharing this personal situation. As hard as it is to share our story, we know this is the best way to find a donor for our son. Please share this page with your friends so we can reach as many people as possible. Prayers for Caden would be greatly appreciated. And Caden also wrote on the page. Here is what he said. My name is Caden Kopke and I'm 11 years old. I've been living with kidney disease since I was two years old. I currently have hemodialysis three times a week, but the treatment is very hard on my body. With my particular situation, I can't receive a kidney from a deceased donor so I am in need of a living kidney donor. With a new kidney, I look forward to doing normal things like swimming, going to school full-time, playing sports, but most of all, I'm looking forward to a life that isn't dependent on dialysis. Thank you in advance for considering kidney donation. And then, sometime later, a further post appeared on the page which said, I wanted to let you all know that we have a donor for Caden. His transplant surgery will be June 26th. He will be in hospital a couple of weeks before to prepare his body for the transplant. I don't know who the donor is. I want them to know just how much we appreciate this wonderful gift. It's hard to put into words how grateful we are. It takes a special person to do something amazing for someone else. I want to thank all of you for praying for Caden and for spreading the word of Caden's need of a kidney. We were amazed to see how much you all shared his need for a kidney. Please continue to pray for Caden. Please pray for the donor, the doctors and the transplant team too. Please pray that it is a successful transplant and that Caden can live a normal life free of dialysis. We know God hears our prayers, so keep praying. Then one day, one of Caden's teachers, William Wilkinson, visited his home. Caden's parents told him the great news that a donor had been found, but they didn't know who it was, which was due to the privacy requirements. Will then told them that he knew who the donor was, but they weren't expecting what he told them. The teacher said that he would be donating his own kidney, can you believe it? Will's own son had kidney failure at the same age as Caden at two years of age, but recovered. Will said, so I remember being in that position as a parent wanting someone to help. Will had been a close friend of the family for years. 
His own son was in the same grade as Caden and they went to Cub Scouts together. After finding out the fantastic news, the family made the following post on Facebook. Our hearts are bursting because we know who the donor is. Caden's hero is William Wilkinson, who is actually one of his teachers at school. How awesome is that? We are so excited and thankful that Will has decided to give such a precious gift to Caden. Words cannot even begin to describe how grateful we are to him and his family. The transplant was a success, and then his parents made the following post. I can't come up with the words to describe how much we appreciate Will Wilkinson. He has given Caden the chance of living a normal life. He is truly our hero. I want to thank his family because they are a part of this too. The Wilkinsons moved to the Atlanta area almost the same time as we did. We both chose the same school for our kids. Our sons are in the same class. We have been blessed to call them our friends. This all isn't coincidence. God had a hand in all of this. He places us where we need to be and puts people in our lives that we need. Will, you are such a selfless person, our true hero. The definition of selfless is concern more with the needs and wishes of others than with one's own. That is Will. We love you, we appreciate you, and we just cannot thank you enough. Then, about a year after the operation, this was the Facebook post. Today is a big milestone, Caden's first year transplant anniversary. I still can't believe it. This would not be possible without Will Wilkinson, our selfless donor. There is not a day that goes by that we don't think of Will and the amazing gift he has given to Caden. It was a gift for our whole family. It has completely changed our lives. We will be forever grateful to Will and his family. Caden is doing very well. He's growing, eating well, and just feels so much better. We are just thrilled to pieces. Now, that was the last entry on the Facebook page. So it's been almost a year since then. So I'm hoping that no news is good news and that Caden is doing well. I was just so surprised when I was researching this story that there were actually many more cases of teachers giving their kidneys to their students. I just couldn't believe how many stories I was coming across. It's stories like this that you realize most teachers are amazing people, despite the bad apples we have heard about in this podcast. And now let's go on to story three. For this story, we go to Canada in 1998 and we meet an elementary school teacher named Susan Weaver. Back 22 years ago, her year four class were doing maths and one of her students, eight-year-old RJ, asked, what does one million look like? So she tried to think of a way to show him and thought that maybe they could collect one million of something. The next day, he came to school with a bag full of bread tags. And so that's how they decided to start a collection of bread bag tags, hoping to reach one million. So all of the students continued bringing in the tags. They weren't able to reach a million by the end of the year, but Susan kept collecting each year with her new class, and RJ also kept up with the collection. 
Then, when RJ was 17, he was tragically killed in a car accident. Susan said, It's a horrible tragedy that he was killed. But when I see a bread tag, it also makes me smile because I remember the funny little boy that he was and it brings him back to life. That's when Susan became even more determined to reach their goal in honour of RJ. More and more people found out about their goal and she began receiving donations of bread tags from far and wide. She eventually started a Facebook group and was also featured on the TV news. Soon, the small elementary school was inundated with cards, letters and notes from all over the country. Some contained a couple of bread tags, while others contained thousands. She said, There's so many caring people in our province and in the Maritimes, and as Canadians, it makes me proud to live where I live. And then, in February this year, 2020, they finally reached their goal of one million bread tags. So the answer to the question of what does one million look like is this. A million looks like 44 and a half 20 litre blue water cooler bottles filled with bread tags. It looks like people all over Canada smiling about little bits of plastic and it looks like his mum and sister crying that we made it this far. RJ's sister had this to say, You don't know what tomorrow promises and I wish that my brother was here to meet my kids. I really do but he'll always live on in everybody. And every time someone sees a bread tag, they'll think of him. Susan's Facebook page is still running. It's called One Million Bread Tags for RJ. It has a hand-drawn portrait of RJ, which Susan's own daughter drew, and it looks just like him. The portrait of RJ has the caption, One in a Million. When I first read this, I felt like crying. What a wonderful teacher. It's people like this that make me proud of my profession. So, that's the end of today's episode. I wanted to make it a bit lighter and include some good Apple stories, which are really hard to find. It seems that these types of stories are not as newsworthy. If you'd like to look up any of these stories, I'll spell Caden's name for you. K-A-D-A-N and his last name K-O-E-B-C-K-E, and also Susan Weaver, if you'd like to find out about the teacher with the bread tags. I will be putting some of these photos into our Facebook group. And now, here is a preview of the next episode. It's called The Love Shack. Imagine this scenario. A teacher, her husband, and her student lover. What's wrong with this picture? So, to end this episode, I will leave you with this quote. It's a conversation between a teacher and a student. Teacher, where's your book? Student, at home. Teacher, and what's it doing there? Student, having more fun than me. Bye for now, and remember to be a good apple.